Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Second Corinthians chapter 12, it would help if I knew where we were going, right? And hopefully we're going somewhere this morning. Love God's Word. How many love God's Word? God's Word you can rely on through and through. Don't listen to that internet garbage that there's contradictions, that there's mistakes and all of that stuff. The understudied are getting taken captive today and people are losing faith and trust in God's Word, and there's no need to. The problem is that really isn't the lies that are coming out of our culture. It's that the Christians aren't taking God's Word serious. They, they have probably three or four Bibles at the house, and they have access to God's Word day in and day out, but they just don't pick it up and read it. So yeah, they're going to be taken captive fairly easy through the vain philosophies of this world. I want to encourage you, if you've not done it yet get into a daily reading plan daily diet of god's word that's where your spiritual nourishment comes from you realize that (laughs) we could go into another message this morning if we if we have to second corinthians chapter 12 i'm going to begin reading in verse one and i would ask that you would follow me and by the way if you don't have a bible Ask an usher when you leave today. We'll give you one free, no charge. We believe in getting God's word into the hands of every single person that walks through the doors of this church and even beyond. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise. You remember that word, paradise? You see that also at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, one of the two thieves on the cross the two criminals, one of them called out to the Lord, today, remember me when you take your kingdom, Lord. And he said, when you enter into your kingdom, and Jesus said to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will not boast, Yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul was very concerned that people wouldn't think of him more highly than he was, and so he never boasted about all the things that God was doing through him. Verse 7, and this verses 7 and 10 is what I want to focus on this morning. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the statement that sums it up. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, once again, I do come to you in need of you, in need of your help. in need of your direction. And I ask for that this morning, Lord. I ask that you would take control of my mind and my heart and that you would own 100% of me. That it would be you speaking today, Lord, through me. This is my prayer, Lord. This is my prayer. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, as the psalmist would say. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been drawn back a little bit to this subject of suffering recently, and it was really due to several events that that have taken place over the course of a short period of time. Last week, for instance, I was talking to a good friend of mine, very close friend of mine, and he had been facing circumstances in his life that were overwhelming. I mean, they're circumstances that he didn't create. They're circumstances that he didn't have a part of creating. It wasn't like he went out there and made some dumb decisions and then all of a sudden he was facing these consequences that were coming on him. No, the circumstances that he was facing in his life and that he is still facing in his life are not a consequence of wrong actions, wrong motives, things that he has done. They are just circumstances in life that have marched upon him and and a number of biggie circumstances in life. In fact, I don't know how I would fare in some of the things that he's having to go through at this moment. Last week, he found himself having a meltdown. And this is a Christian. I just want to say that this is a Christian. He's a man who knows the Lord. He's a man who's known the Lord pretty much since he was a child. And he is not dumb to the Scriptures. He's not lacking a prayer life. It's not like he's out of tune with God, out of touch with God. And he understands those things of the word that tell us that we won't cave. You know, Paul talks about that much in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but it's just a position he finds himself in this life, and he probably had never thought that he was going to find himself to this point to where he would go into the closet and just have a complete meltdown. My mom, I mean, I never expected, out of all the hospital visits that I've made, out of all the prayer requests that have come from this pulpit out of all the people that I have visited that have suffered with cancer. I never thought of myself sitting next to my mom's bedside and having to minister to her in the same way. And we find out, don't we, that suffering, suffering in this world is a real part of living in this world. 
Now, the world looks at suffering and they will say that it is nothing but an interruption in life. In other words, they have no meaning or they have no purpose, the events, the circumstances that we go through in this life. But we as Christians, we understand, don't we? According to God's word, at least mentally, we understand that there is always a purpose for everything. There's always a reason for things that take place under the sun. And suffering falls into that category. And suffering is a very real part of life. You know, there's paradoxes in the scriptures. A paradox is a seemingly contradictory statement. And we see these paradoxes all through scripture. For instance, exaltation comes through humility. Gaining comes from losing. Becoming a free man involves becoming a slave. Receiving, the way to receiving is through giving. And there's these paradoxes in Scripture that the world would laugh at, but you and I know to be true. In other words, for us to gain life, we must lose our lives. That's what the the Scriptures tell us, that, that we must give in order to receive. It's principles that the world really doesn't understand. They believe that the way to get is through scheming and everything else. God's way is through giving. The way to be lifted up is to become low. And another paradox that we see in Scripture is the way to become strong is to become weak. And that is the statement that Paul makes at the end of this passage of Scripture. And if you want to rephrase that, it could be, I must empty myself so God can fill me. I must empty myself so I must become nothing so that God can become everything in my life. For me to live in power in this world, I must give it all and surrender it all to God. God must strip me of myself so he can clothe me with himself. And these are things that are real in the scriptures. And Paul understood that. The the scriptures that we just read, that passage of scripture that we just read, I must become weak so that he can become strong or the way he stated it, when I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. But the pathway to that, and that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, when we look at the principle and we understand that, man, I want to be strong in the Lord. And I know the way to do that is to become weak. And the way Paul became strong was through suffering. It was through suffering. This theme that Paul understood so well, this thing that he understood in in all of his maturity and understood the place that God had for it in his own life was pretty amazing. You see, the context of Scripture there was Paul was coming against these false apostles that were had infiltrated the church in Corinth. These guys showed up. Paul was gone, right? He had spent a couple years with them, teaching them God's Word. He planted the church. The church started to thrive. The church was growing. Then all of a sudden, these false apostles show up in the church. And as they show up in the church, they begin to say stupid things. They begin to boast in like visions. A lot of the stuff that you see on television today, they try and make themselves out to be these great spiritual people by saying, I had this vision of the Lord. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that there's not a place for visions and things like that. There's not a place for that. But what was going on in the church in Corinth was they were trying to make Paul out to be less spiritual because he supposedly never had these visions. 
He supposedly was going through all of these difficulties in life, and they were probably telling them and feeding the church full of stuff like this. We're the spiritual ones. We've got the visions. Look at Paul. He's always suffering. Look at Paul. He's going through these difficulties. Look at Paul. He's facing this and he's facing that. If God was really with him, if God was really blessing him, don't you think he'd have a better life than that? And that's an easy doctrine to buy into because we want God, bottom line, to bless us, but there's another paradox. Sometimes the blessings of God doesn't come except through the suffering for God. And so we get lost in this stuff and we forget that that suffering does have a place in God's agenda. And even in this passage that we read here this morning, this passage, Paul then brings up his own suffering. He brings up his own ordeal that he was going through and and he brings that up to say wait a minute the mark of a true apostle isn't so much the blessings in his life but the suffering they would endure for christ i'm going to show you in a minute where you can see that even more clearly but here you've got paul who acknowledges that there's this suffering going on in his own life And he didn't try and make himself out to be more spiritual and say, you know, I I just claimed it and said, be gone, and it was gone. One thing I love about the Apostle Paul in his writings, and we see this also in the words of Jesus, is the transparency, the realness of life. The Bible and God's Word and His truths aren't just lived in a fairy tale context, but this is the real deal going on in real life here and now. And that's why God's Word is always the number one seller year after year because it identifies with humanity. It identifies with humanity, God identifying with His creation. There's so many things that we see in the Scriptures that you and I relate to. And Paul was transparent here. The Apostle Paul, he was very transparent here. And he talks about his own suffering. What I want you to do is just take note of three things this morning. That's it. How many know I put a bulletin insert, but I didn't give you an outline, did I? You know why I did that? So you wouldn't look at the PowerPoint and you'd look at me. No, I'm just kidding. I just felt that this morning I needed to go a little bit without one this morning. Not that I'm going to be talking and try and come up with points as I'm talking to you. They're really laid out. I really did my homework and I really did prepare for you all this morning. And there's three things that I would like you to take note of because listen to me. Look at me. If you are a child of God, you will suffer at one point in this life. There's going to be something that you're going to go through. I don't know what it may be. It may be a financial disaster, a dilemma in your life. I know people that are real, faithful Christians who have been through that in their lives. I know some dear saints that have been right with God, and I've desired to be like them, and they have endured suffering and embraced it. Not that they haven't prayed for healing in their body, healing in their lives, and things like that. In fact, they continue to pray for things like that, but the way they enter and the way they endure through the suffering of this life is a real example to me as a Christian, because I still look up to people like that. The first thing you need to know is that the suffering that you and I are going to endure, that this suffering depletes us of pride. Suffering depletes us of pride. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, lest I be exalted, lest I be exalted above measure. And he bookends, he bookends 
that with that verse, he says it twice in that one verse. He says there's a reason for what I'm going through, and the reason is lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, if these visions that I have had, if these visions that I have had become a thing in my life where they're the focal point, that this is the reason I go through this suffering. There was a messenger of Satan that was sent to me. Now, I don't know much about the thorn in the flesh. As much as I have tried to identify what that thorn in the flesh is, I do not know what it is. And anybody who tells you that they know exactly what it is doesn't really know what they're talking about because Paul doesn't identify it other than it is a messenger of Satan. And we know this. We know that it was painful. We know that it was painful in his life because the word that's used for that word in the original language is really used of a stake. It was used of a stake. It was used of a stake that would torture people. This was a painful thing that Paul was talking about. And it wasn't just like a thorn on a thorn bush. Oh, it kind of pricked me. No, it really was extremely painful in his own life. And he describes it really, and most of the German scholars will tell you that accurate, the more accurate translation would be just that, a stake. Not a thorn, not a little thorn, but a stake. And this is very painful to Paul because he goes on to describe it as not only a stake in his flesh, and it could have been a number of things. It could have been his eye problem. Paul struggled with eye disease. It could have been malaria. Some people thought that he had these reoccurrences of malaria. Some people thought that he fought migraines. Some people thought that it was emotional issues that Paul was facing. Some thought it was nothing but spiritual. But there's a wide variety of theories on what this state could have been, on what this state could have been. And I want to say this this morning. I believe that God left that open so that it can apply to all of us because we sometimes will come across situations in our lives where we feel like Paul and there's this stake that is in our flesh. Amen? So we know it was painful, but we also know that it was painful not only because he uses the word stake, but also it was a messenger from Satan to what? Buffet him. Buffet him. More accurately, beat him. Those were the same words used in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark when they brought Jesus to trial. You remember when they brought our Lord and Savior to trial? And as they brought him to trial, the Roman guards began to slap him around. They began to beat on him. They began to mock him. They began to whip him. They put the crown of thorns on him. And they just started slapping him around and ridiculing him and mocking him. And that is the same word that's used here that Paul is using. So we know that this was no light thing in Paul's life. Whatever Paul was dealing with, whatever suffering he was going through, this was intense. It was real. It was real. It not only was painful, but it was persistent. This wasn't a one-time thing. The fact that Paul went to the Lord three times tells you that this thing was very real and it was very persistent in his life. He was pleading to the Lord. I've been there before. I've, I've had an ailment before where it wasn't as severe as that, I don't think, but, but where it was just persistent in my life. And I kept telling the Lord, remove it. Remove it. I've had gout before. Maybe that's what Paul was dealing with. <laughs> it feels like a stake. And I remember being in a chair for like, you know, two weeks and, and I couldn't move. I couldn't even walk. And I'm saying, Lord, deliver me from this. 
deliver me from this. So we know that it was persistent, but we also know that there was a real purpose for why this suffering came on Paul. And that was to keep him from becoming full of pride. Because a prideful Paul, God couldn't use. A humble Paul, God can use. And sometimes, and I'm just going to say it here, you guys, sometimes suffering comes about in our own lives because there's pride in our lives. We get so full of ourselves. We're like Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. Remember Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament? Here was the king that ruled the kingdoms, and he thought he was a god. He even built this huge statue 90 feet high out of gold and wanted everybody to worship it because it was an idol of himself. And everybody was required to worship that idol and to bow down to it because he got that big-headed. He thought he was higher than God. And then what did God do? God sent him out to pasture with the cows. He went out grazing. God took his mind from him. And this high and mighty Nebuchadnezzar found himself eating grass with the cows. See, sometimes suffering comes in our lives to make us aware that we're way too strong. We think way too highly of ourselves. We're relying way too much on our own strengths and our own gifts. And God brings us into a little bit of correction because most people that I know that have ever endured suffering, some of the first questions they ask is, Lord, is it I? Lord, is there something going on in my life? Now, granted, there's a lot of times suffering comes upon our lives and it isn't because we're prideful and it isn't necessarily because we're doing something wrong with God. And that's what the prosperity movement's going to tell you too, that suffering sometimes comes because there's something wrong with you. You're either doing something wrong with God or you don't have enough faith in your life. And sometimes that's not the case, but sometimes suffering comes into our lives as a blessing. Do you know that Paul said that there was a thorn in the flesh that was given to him? Question is, who gave it to him? I'm going to throw this out here too. God gave it to him. God gave it to him. He was the one in ultimate control. And what Paul fought at first, he realized later to be a gift from the Lord because it kept him humble. Paul knew the destruction of pride more than anybody. He came out of being a Pharisee. He came out of being a religious leader. He came out of a prideful movement. And he realized more than anybody how dangerous pride can be. And especially when you start to take the glory from God. And so Paul saw it as a gift. And I've got passages I can give you. I can give you Job. Job chapter 1. Job was a righteous man, the Bible says. It says he was blameless in all of his ways. And yet... Satan goes to God and says, what about your servant Job? What about your servant Job? And and God allowed him access to Job. We saw it in the life of Peter when Jesus went to Peter in Luke chapter 22. And he tells Peter, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat. Satan has requested to sift you as wheat. Isn't that strange that Satan needs permission from God? Satan has requested to sift you as wheat, but when you are restored, strengthen your brethren. Jesus knew the beginning to the end in Peter's life. He knew that he would be sifted by Satan. He knew that he would fail God, but he also knew that he would be restored as well. And so we see passages of Scripture that show you and I 
that Satan has to go to God for permission. And that means if God allows it, there's a purpose for what we go through in this life. You know why else I know it was from the Lord? Because the outcome was so good. It kept Paul humble. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.